Amen. Smile at somebody before you're seated, and then you can be seated. And All right. Thank you so much for coming today um, to share a little bit and about uh, really just kind of something that's been on my heart for a long time, shared it years ago, and the Lord just wanted me to bring it out and revise it. In Titus chapter 2, turn with me to Titus chapter 2. I'm going to um, just read the scripture. We'll pray and share. In Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Love this passage of scripture. It's so good. And I uh, just wanted to share today about living under the influence. Living under the influence. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation appears, had appeared to all men. The grace, this is about the grace. The grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, meaning the, the culture that we are presently in, no matter what culture that is. Looking for that blessed hope, for the glorious appearing of the one great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. My question today is, how does the grace of God influence you on a daily basis? Amen. How many know there's a lot of influences in our lives? There's a lot of things that influence us. We're uh, coming under a lot of the influences. Like maybe on a daily basis, there's, you know, our friends influence, our parents, our, our job, our, you know, the government. How many know that, you know, the, the, so many things that, uh, that in our culture influence us. Sin influence us. Sickness influence. Poverty. So many things have a way of influencing our decision-making in our lives. And we, we see this. The Bible says that all of us, every single one of us, were born under the influence of sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know, when you're born again and when you get saved, you come under another influence, and that is the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now salvation becomes the greatest influence in your life. Amen. There's a great influence. Amen. And His name is Jesus. How many believe that? Amen. How many before you were saved, you were living under the influence maybe of drugs or alcohol, maybe even an evil spirit. You know, people that live under those influences, they have no control over their thoughts, their actions, their perception, perception, excuse me. And it alters and controls their behavior and their senses and and all the thinking and all the decision making. How many know alcohol has a way of just totally uh, disrupting your thinking, doesn't it, right? But it has a way of controlling you and influencing you. And we say that he's under the influence of alcohol or drugs or even an evil spirit. But how many know, I believe that all Christians need to be living under the influence of grace, as Paul teaches here. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you so much, Lord, for everyone that's here. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. We, we just thank you, Lord, that you have just absolutely bless us more than we can handle. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in our lives according to your grace, and your grace is influencing everything we do and say. Lord, not just when we were saved, but Lord, every day from the moment we got saved until today, Lord, your grace has a way of influencing our behavior, our thinking, our perception, Everything we do and say, Lord, I pray that today, after today, Lord, that we would be come under that influence even in a greater way of the grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We give you praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to read some translations of 
chapters 11 through 14, because it bears uh, kind of just repeating a little bit, but also in a different way. I'm going to read some translations for you because it's so good and so clear about what we want to talk about. In verse 11, in the living, it says, For the free gift of eternal salvation is now being offered to everyone. And alone with this gift comes the realization that God wants us to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures and live good, God-fearing lives day after day. Looking forward to that wonderful time we've been expecting when His glory shall be seen, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died under God's judgment against our sins so that He could rescue us from consistent falling into sin and make us His very own people with cleansed hearts and real enthusiasm for doing good, kind things to others. This translation in the NIV says, For the grace of God has appeared to, uh, to um, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are ready, are his very own, and are eager or ready to do good. One more translation. You ready? You can handle it, right? I like this in the Passion. It says, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. It equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our great hope and the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. If I do one more translation, you'll have it memorized. Come on. Amen. How many know God's grace has a way of influencing our lives? Amen. Two things that I want to bring out that Paul talks about here. He talks about, number one, the amazing grace of God. He says that it's a grace that has appeared to all men. That is the grace that's revealed, a salvation available for everyone. How many know it's not just for the rich, or it's just not for a certain people in a certain place? It's not just for people that have been born of the Jewish, kind of the Jewish culture, but how many know it's for everyone? It's for everyone. And so the Bible says that this grace has been revealed, salvation really, that's available for everyone. God's marvelous grace, I like this translation, has appeared to all bringing salvation. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Now that does not mean that everyone's saved and going to heaven. How many believe that? That's, that's a teaching, that's a false teaching that's gone around a little bit once or twice. But how many know that's not the teachings of the Bible? That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that just because grace came and Jesus finished the work at Calvary, that automatically everyone that's born is going to heaven. The Bible declares that as we're born, we're born into sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you believe that, right? That's why you got saved. Because you realize that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And Jesus is my Savior. Amen. So grace has appeared to everyone. I love that. The grace has appeared to all men. Everyone. How many know our commission and our mission in life is to preach to everybody? Not just the people we like. Not just the people of our color. Everybody. Not just the people that speak English. Everybody. All men, the Bible says. 
whether we think they deserve it or not. Whether we think we want them in heaven or not. Come on, we've got to preach to all men. The grace has appeared to all men. The grace of God isn't flawed. The grace of God is not weak. It's not fractured. It's not something that changes. The grace of God is strong. The grace of God is for every person. And so it appeared to every man. I love that. Now, again, you, you've got to understand that there are basic principles of grace. The very first principle of grace, that grace is a person. I said grace is a person. Amen. And, and, I, and I just wanted to say this, that when, when Paul said this, he appeared to all men. Grace has appeared. What does that mean, grace has appeared? All of a sudden, God forgives people? Yeah, but it, he mentions almost like somebody. Grace has showed up. It means that showed itself. Grace has revealed itself. Made its appearance. How many know God made His appearance? His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And he said that God, the grace has appeared. Now, one of the things as you read the course teachings of Paul, he constantly goes back and he explains some of the Old Testament uh, laws and sacrifices and, and ceremonies and explains that they're in Christ. And they've been, been fulfilled in Christ. How many believe that all things have been fulfilled in Christ? Amen. Through Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, no one had experienced the grace of God. They believed in it. The Bible says that they believed and they were rewarded for their faith, but nobody experienced the grace. Nobody saw the grace of God. God showed His mercy, they believed in that, but nobody saw it. Only when Jesus was born did grace appear. Grace showed up. How many are thankful that grace showed up? Amen. Aren't you glad that there was a day in your life that grace appeared? Grace showed up? You realize that grace has a name? His name is Jesus. Amen. And so I love that. And one of the things that we see about this, and he says that grace has appeared. One of the things that re you realize is that it is an experience. There's an experience of the grace of God. It's not just a knowledge of grace. It's an experience of grace. Now, how many know we can't live off experiences? We can't live off emotions. We can't live off those things. But how many know grace is an experience? How many lift your hand to heaven and say, I've experienced grace? I've experienced grace. I know what grace is all about. I've experienced grace. And grace is that experience. And that experience is an encounter with the person. We see it all through the life of Jesus when He encountered people. And they encountered Him. They realized, I encountered grace. How many know there was a woman that came? They brought a woman to Jesus that they wanted Jesus to condemn and judge. And they wanted to stone her. And Jesus showed grace. That woman encountered grace. How many can lift your hand as heaven? I encountered grace. I'm only going to have you lift your hands a couple times. Amen. I love that. Amen. Because grace showed up. Grace appeared to all men. That's why we can love people the way Jesus loves them. That's why we can go to all creation and creatures and preach the gospel everywhere and all cultures and all nations and every languages because grace has appeared to all men. Amen. And so you can have the information about grace and not have the experience of grace. But how many know our responsibility is to preach the gospel so that every person has the opportunity to experience grace? Amen. I believe that. And so not only does grace show up and grace showed itself, but one of the things that we, we dive into, we see that God's loving kindness is made known. 
The Bible says all through the book of Psalms that his loving kindness is better than life, David wrote. That I'm led by and I'm guided by God's goodness and his kindness and it's everlasting and it goes on forever and it lasts from generation to generation. How many know he's a kind God? He's a gracious God and so we see that and and one of the things that I love about the grace of God is it's God's loving favor being revealed. It's God's loving kindness being manifest. How many know you can talk about it, but when you experience it, you experience God's kindness? How many can say, I experience God's kindness? That's one of the things as you witness to people you have, you may not know a lot of scriptures, and you may not know the Bible back to front, but you can say, I've experienced God's kindness. I've experienced the graciousness of God. Amen. You know, years ago, they uh, really kind of gave that definition of grace. It, it really means God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is all about. It was God's kindness made known to us. So God extends uh, His kindness to us and His love. And He really does it on, on a daily basis. And, and really, His grace makes us worthy of His acceptance. It really does, doesn't it? Grace is unconditional, it's unmerited, it's indescribable favor of God. That's what it is. And I like what one translation says. It says it's remarkable, amazing, remarkable, undeserved grace of God. How many have experienced the undeserved grace of God? That remarkable grace of God. I, I hope that you're not a Christian that feels that you deserve it. That you deserved God's forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I came to the Lord and I said, like Peter, I said, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your kindness. I don't deserve your goodness. I don't even know why you would talk to somebody like me. I don't even know why you would touch somebody like me. But how many know, because of his great love, kindness is made known to us. Kindness is, amen, is extended to us. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what Jesus did at Calvary. He extended God's mercy. He reached out, God reached out through Jesus and said, I love you and I want to touch you, amen. I don't know about you, but if you are a Christian, then this is old hat to you, I feel sorry for you. I believe that you need to be motivated by the grace of God on a daily basis. Sometimes people get stuck. Christians get old and dry and it gets stale and nothing becomes fresh anymore because you have kind of been removed from the freshness of the grace of God. That, that, that life of the grace. So when you begin to praise God and thank God for all that He's done through Jesus Christ, something wells up inside of you. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a peace that passes all understanding. There's a hope that you can't put your finger on, but you can, you can see it. Amen. You can say, I've got hope beyond hope. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it's the grace of God. You know, Jesus didn't have to die, but he wanted to. And I didn't want the grace of God, but I needed the grace of God. Amen. And I can't deny it, and I won't refuse it, and I'm going to hold on to it. I need the grace of God. I don't know about you, but maybe you're one of those Christians that you're good. You got saved, and you're good. You're, you're all good. You don't need really that empowering grace today. But I don't know about you, but I need God's grace. I need God's I thank God for his mercy. Amen. Thank God that He reached down for me. And if you're a person that you think that you are, you are privileged and, and, and that you are just one of these people that God couldn't wait to get you in heaven because He really needs you in heaven, man, I feel sorry for you. But if you're a person that said, Lord, I need your grace today. 
Why would you even come close to me? Why would you even speak to me? Why would you even do that? I don't even understand it. I don't get it. But Lord, I, des- I, 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 I get it today. I receive it. How many know you can say, I receive it today? Amen. You know, we got to tell people about the grace of God. People look at churches and they ride and they go on the outside of the church and they say that everyone there has got their life together and I'm too imperfect to get there and maybe someday I'll get my act together and I don't, I don't deserve to be in there. I, I, I can't even go through the threshold of that door. God, how would you even think about loving somebody like me? But how many know we got to let people know God loves you? God cares about you. He's always loved you. He's never stopped loving you. He's reaching out to you right now in your condition because of His grace. And the door to heaven is wide open saying anyone who wants to come in through Jesus can come in. Do you believe that today? Are you a little stuffy? Are you a little stale and crusty in your walk with the Lord? I want you to start reading about the cross once again. I want you to start thanking God for the blood of Jesus and the mercy that God showed us and the grace that He had and the kindness that nobody else can show you like Jesus. And then I want you to go to the store and look at people and say, they they need the grace of God. Amen. Come on. They need the grace of God. They need to know that God loves them. Amen. God's riches at Christ's expense. I love that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. How many know nobody in this room can boast today? Nobody can say, I got saved by myself on my own. I did it because of my goodness, my money that I gave to the church, my, my, uh, all, all of the good works that I did, and all the old people I walked across the street before I got saved. How many know nobody can say, because of my works, I got saved? I wasn't looking for him. He came looking for me. Oh, man. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Come on. He, I, mean, I mean, I didn't want him, amen, initially, but he still wanted me, amen. I wasn't looking for his goodness. I, I know I needed something. I know I needed someone, but I didn't know it was him, amen. And maybe you were like me, that you ran from God, and you ran from the things of God, and you, you didn't want him, and you didn't want anything, but you know, when you smack, came smack down right face to the grace of God, you had to say, Lord, I need you. I don't know what I would do without you. I'm running to you, not from you, because of your grace. I didn't deserve it. There's just nothing I could do. I need, amen, neither the grace of God. He didn't have to, but he did it. He wanted to because of His great love. Aren't you glad that you were known of God? You were loved by God? You were pursued by God? This God that came down in human form, amen, never stopped pursuing us. Amen. He was like that great shepherd, the one the one was lost. He spent all His resources, all His time, all His energy looking for that one because of His grace. Amen. How much more should we be worshiping Him and loving Him and living for Him, as Paul's saying here, that we need to put away these things, living in this present age because of His grace. Amen. And so I just wanted to encourage you today that we really need to live under the influence of grace. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates. This is how God showed us. How do I know God loved me? He demonstrates His own love in this. While we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Why we're still sinners. Someone said, well, is there forgiveness for sin after you're a Christian? 
How many know if God loved you in your sin before you were saved, He certainly loves you if you mess up after you're saved? Come on, somebody. Amen. Is that right? Amen. And you're trying to work for a point system, and God's already loved you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so God said, man, and I love that because really that gives us no excuse, does it, to reach out to people. Gives us no excuse. And we think, well, God, God could wait to get to me. I mean, he just probably pushed people out of the way to get to me. No, you were probably the last person. But God said, I want you. I need you. I want to love you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, this, one of the things about God's grace and the thing that I've learned about the Lord is he, he doesn't excuse sin. He forgives it. He doesn't ignore sin. He removes it. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And so I, I, I didn't do anything to deserve the salvation God provided. But once he provided it, I had to do something to receive it. I had to confess my sins and believe in Jesus. And, and by grace, I'm saved. And by grace, I can live like it. How many know it's a by grace you're saved, right? Through faith. And it's by grace we live like it. How many know we need to live like we're saved by grace? I live like I'm saved by grace. 2 Timothy, Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Man, God's plan is so fail-proof, it's not even funny. Amen. God loved us. And so, you know, one of the things I, I want to just say that I, I speak of grace out of experience, not speculation. A lot of people talk about the things of God and they talk about grace out of just mere speculation. And they parrot popular teachings of grace. But you know, I've state what I've witnessed firsthand. That's one of the most powerful things about the gift of salvation that you can experience it for yourself firsthand. Eyewitness account. God's love for you. You don't have to hear about it. Oh, I'm living off somebody else's salvation. God has it for you today, right now. Personalize. Amen. A relationship with you, aren't you glad? And so when I heard about that, that that story, and and as I'm a young man, I just it really broke me that I could just experience something like that. And how many know that's God's overwhelming grace? So one of the things that I really I wanted to share today is that is is it just put this out there that grace is what attracted me to God. I mean, grace is what makes God attractive. So that's why we share out of a heart of love for people. Come on, with people. We don't say, you need to listen to me. I'm going to tell you. No, we share it. Why? Because one of the things we are, it's attractive. And so that's one of the beautiful things about the good news of the story of Jesus and the gospel story is that it attracts us to God. It attracted me to God. It really did. The fact that He loved me just, what, just as I am, just as I was, Come on, the fact that I could come to him just as I am, right? That attracted me to God. That really did. But you know, the grace of God attaches us to one another, doesn't it? So it attracts us to God, but attaches us to one another. That's why the Bible says we can love one another. Not just because we have to, but because of the grace of God, we want to. <laughs> Do you want to love everybody? All right. I'm the pastor, I have to. Anyways. But that's what attracts us to God. And that's what attaches us to one another is the grace of God. It's because of the love of God. I love God with all my heart and I love others more than myself. 
That's why Jesus gave us those commandments. And how many know Paul said they're not grievous, they're good. And the Holy Spirit helps us keep those commandments of loving God with all our heart and loving other people more than ourselves because of the grace of God. Amen. Amen. And so the greatest gift of all really is the forgiveness of our sins through salvation in Jesus. And because of the grace God gives us, we're able to show the grace to other people. See, that's what the Bible says when it says, as Christ has loved you, love one another. That's when we get right down to it. We go right back to Calvary and we just say, you know what? The way that Jesus loved us, that's the way we're to love other people. How many know we can, we can excuse ourselves out of loving other people very quickly? We can make excuses and justifications and why I don't have to love people the way Jesus loved me because I didn't really do that, that bad stuff. I, didn't really, I wasn't really that bad of a person, right? And we try to justify that. But we look through the lens of Calvary and we look back and we see on God's perspective of who we were, we were, we can say, man, I can love anybody. All right? And so I want to encourage you today. And I, I just, this is so simple teaching, but it's just about the grace of God. And one of the things I've noticed is that people that really have forgotten and are distant from the grace of God have a hard time showing grace. People that just get hard-hearted about the grace of God. and Maybe you've just been removed from it and you've been going through the motions so many times, so long, going to church and doing this and doing that and trying to be a good person. Doing a good, and, and you just get to a place where you're just so far removed from the precious grace of God to the place where you don't really remember. That's why communion is so important because as Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Every time we take communion, we remember the goodness and the mercy and the grace. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I was that dirty person that he washed. I was that unwelcome guest, that was me. I was Peter that didn't want, yes, that was me that cursed. Yeah, that was me that denied Jesus. Yeah, that was me. Thank you, Lord, for saving a person like me. And that's why communion is so powerful, isn't it? And so life-giving. And there's so much life in the communion because we remember the grace of Jesus Christ. So not only is it about the grace and the, the, the known love and kindness of God, and it is the, the saving grace, the amazing grace, but the second thing I want to just focus on uh, here today is the changing grace of God. Notice what he says in, in Titus. He says that the grace of God that appeared to all men is teaching us, instructing us, it's guiding, it's leading us, it's changing. How many know you're, you're taught, you're instructed so that you can change the way you think so you can act different. So the grace of God is teaching me, instructing me so that my actions are different. How many know the grace of God changes us? Some, come on, someone said that, well, you know, it's not about behavior modification. That's not what it's all about. Well, let me tell you something. You get close to Jesus, he's going to change you. He's going to do some behavioral modification. <laughs> How many know he's going to take some hate out and he's going to replace it with love and forgiveness and gentleness and kindness? Come on, somebody. I said, come, come on, somebody. Amen. He's going to do some, some rearranging of some things. And the grace of God that appeared to all men, it's teaching us to deny ungodliness and what? Change the way we live. Change the way we think. Again, we're under the influence of grace. It's controlling the way we change, uh, think, the way we view things, the way that we, our perception of things. Is that right? Is that correct? Amen. We're under the influence of grace. Amen. Some of you used to be under the influence of alcohol. Now you're the, under the influence of grace. It's all about the, oh man, the goodness of God. And so that's what he's saying here, because the grace of God teaches us. 
How many know when God teaches you something, you don't forget it? When God teaches, that's why he, he wanted it to be. I mean, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit reminds us over and over and over again. Every time we read the Bible, oh yeah, I got to learn that. Yeah, that's a good principle. How many know until Jesus comes back, there's always going to be something the Holy Spirit can teach us. Come on, we're going to be forever learning. Is that right? And what are we learning? We're going to learn that the grace of God is teaching us to do some things different than the way we used to be. So that we can go into the image of Jesus Christ. So we go into that place where God wants us to go, conforming us into His image so that He can receive all the glory in our lives. I hope this is okay today. So the grace, the changing grace of God. How many know that's important? The changing grace of God. So being influenced in my heart and my action, that's the changing grace of God. And grace trains us and it teaches me. I, you know, and you never think about that. You always think, well, I've got to learn the Bible and everything. But one of the things he said is it's, there is an influence of the grace of God in our lives that's changing us. So in other words, you're to be so influenced by the grace of God that it's actually changing your actions. It, it's changing you as a person. In other words, you don't act the way that you used to. You don't, you don't behave the way that you used to. You're a better husband, a better wife. You're a better. Come on, you're, it's changing you. You don't get upset like uh, you know, used to, or you don't react the way that you used to uh, before. Why? Because there's, a, there's something on the inside teaching you what to do. Now, as we see this, this uh, uh, parallel here, we say the grace of God teaches us what not to do, but the grace of God also teaches us what to do. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. How many of the Holy Spirit tells you what not to say, but he also teaches you what to say? It's good to, you know, learn the lesson of not what to say. A lot, right? I think a lot of us can say we're still there, right? We're, we really haven't got past that grade. But we need to learn what to say. And so we need to learn how to act and what to do and how to live. So the grace of God is changing us. And, the grace, and so one of the things that I've just threw out these, I'm going to throw out these three things that I just felt like it was really good that the Lord shared with me the other day about the grace of God influencing. And that is this. And that the, God, the, the grace of God is influencing us in these three areas. Number one, that we are to be grace-fueled. I like that. Grace-fueled. Paul opens up many letters and he says, according to the grace of God or because of the grace of God in my life. How many know every time you read the scriptures and you read, come across any scriptures about grace, you could put in this word, the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. That we could, well, look at Titus and it says that for the cross of, G of God is teaching us or the grace of God, the cross of Christ is teaching us. So you think about it, the cross of Jesus, according to his grace. And, and when he dresses Christians, he says, because of the grace or by the grace. So we're grace fueled. How many want to be grace fueled in your worship? We need to be grace fueled in our prayers, grace fueled in our worship, grace fueled in our lives. It's fueling us. This is what he's saying. The grace of God is the fuel in our Christian experience. This is a Christian life. The grace of God is the fuel. That's why I can Say the things I need to say. Do the things I need to say. That's why I can, can not get upset and, and, and act away, uh, out of control because the grace of God is teaching me. I am grace-filled. Can you say that I want to be grace-filled? Anybody here say, I want to be grace-filled today. I want the grace of God to fuel me. I want it to be the thing that really as I get up in the morning that it really fuels me to pray and seek the Lord. Not because if Brother Rick finds out, I'll get in trouble. 
I didn't pray this month. Come on. But it fuels me. It's the grace that fuels me to love people that maybe don't deserve it or forgive people to say I'm sorry and I was wrong. Grace of God fuels us. Amen? Hallelujah. So what, what's really good about it is it changes us. And so what is the grace of God doing in your life? And how is it changing you? How is it fueling your daily experience and your daily walk with the Lord, but also every day in your life? How is it that mercy, how does that affect your life? How does that influence your actions? I believe we need to be grace-fueled. And so I believe being influenced by grace, we, we, we're influenced by the grace of God, not, not by our culture, as Paul is saying here. Don't be fueled and, and, and uh, react according to what's going on in your, around you and your surroundings, your environment, your circumstance. Be fueled by the grace of God. Number two, be grace-filled. Be grace-filled. So you're grace-filled and you're grace-filled. Again, as, he, uh, as Paul is opening up letters and he's closing letters, he says, grace and peace to you. I believe there's like seven books that he wrote that say grace and peace to you. At one point he says, let it be multiplied to you. Grace and peace to you. Be grace-filled. And so this was a greeting or a prayer, a blessing. And so what he was saying to the church is that let grace and peace not just be to you, but let it be something that influences you. Let it be something that as you read this letter that I'm writing to you, that you just don't read it as a bunch of instructions, but you read it from a heart of grace, from, from a life of grace, but you can live this, what I'm telling you, by the grace of God. So that's what he says. And so how many know we need to be grace-filled? When we, when we look at people and we look at the circumstance around us in our lives, we need to be grace Filled. As Paul later said about, and he records all the trouble that he went through and all the things that were wrong, going wrong in his ministry, he said one of the things he said, his grace is sufficient. He said, my prayer today is going to be grace filled. Some of our prayers are usually complaint filled. Right? They're itemized to God. Right? This is what we need. We need this. We need to do this, do this, do this. But let our prayer be grace filled. Let our, let our worship be grace-fueled and our prayer be grace-filled today. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for, Lord, saving me. Thank you that, Lord, what you did for me, you can do that person. Thank you that you're teaching me patience through this circumstance. Thank you, Lord, that I'm learning something that is of value today. I don't want to lose this opportunity in this circumstance. To Come on, I don't want to waste this opportunity to learn something from you. So it's grace-filled. So, you know, one of the things we see is that a spiritual life is a life of grace. You're gracious to other people. You're showing kindness to other people. Giving people breaks and opportunities. Giving people second chances. How many know we serve a gracious God? The Bible talks about His kindness is long. Amen. He is long-suffering in His kindness. He, is, he has been long-suffering with some of us. Right? Like, 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 like he just ran out of chances. I mean, we can't even count that high. I mean, but he's long-suffering time after time after time. Aren't you glad that he's gracious and he's faithful in his gracious and his kindness? He's long-suffering with us. And yet, we, we just want our neighbors to barbecue for a little bit. We want them to get the judgment right away. We want people to pay right away, but we want the long-suffering. No, we need to say, Lord, thank you. I'm going to show patience. As, as patient as you are with me, God, help me to show patience to other people. Wow, that's a big one, isn't it? Lord, as long-suffering as you are with me, as kind as you are, Lord, to me, over and over and over again, that's how I'm going to be with other people. 
How many know that's going to change your actions right there? It's going to change some attitudes. One of the things we had today in our growth track is our very first class, Follow, is we talk about who we are as a church. And I just wanted to repeat what we talked about today. It's just taken from our growth track. It says, The Door Fellowship Church exists to bring people who are far from God, close to God, by faith in Jesus. We are passionate in loving God completely. We are committed to growing together. And we are dedicated to reaching our world. We want to be a grace-filled community that loves people the way Jesus loves us and allow God to do what He wants to do in people's hearts. How many know we need to be a grace-filled community? How many know we, we, these doors are wide open to anyone who wants to come in? We're a grace-filled community. We're not saying, look, you've got to wear this clothes, you've got to do that, you've got to act this. How many know before you ever believed, you belonged? Jesus made room for you at the table before you were ever, ever worthy to sit there. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about we're predestined in Him. That doesn't mean some other... That means that He had a place for you. He made a chair for you long before you were born. Amen. He made a place for you. Amen. Come on. He thought about you in heaven before you were even born. He thought about, amen, you getting saved. He had a plan for you to get saved long before you were even born. And when you were walking the streets and you were nobody and you were miserable and lonely, He had a place for you. Amen. And when you came into the Father's house, aren't you glad that He didn't say, you need to straighten up and you need to talk like this and you need to look like this? He just said, come on in. Amen. Amen. He opened His arms and when you were still far off, He said, amen, I love you. Why don't you and come to my house? I mean, that's just the way Jesus is. Anybody? Is that your experience? Man, before I ever believed, before I ever had the, the, even knew the Ten Commandments, before I ever, He loved me. He gave Himself for me. He made room for me. I belonged in Him. Amen. I understand what salvation means. I get it. When you're born again, then you're in Christ. I get it. I know that means. But you still are loved by Christ, by Jesus. He still says, come. He still says, come. Amen. Isn't that what he said to the disciples when they're all, all broken and dysfunctional and all, all, all over the map and all over the place? He, you know, when they said, who is this Jesus? I mean, what good could come from, you know, from that area of town? When they were down, hating on it, you know, because he was of this descent and this culture and this race. You know what he said? Come and see. Come and find out. Amen. I'm inviting you. Come and find out. Amen. If you're broken, come and find out. Come and, and drink. Amen. The Bible says, whoever is thirsty, amen, come and drink. Amen. Aren't you glad that when you were thirsty, there was a place to drink? Aren't you glad that when you were hungry, there was a place to eat? Amen. It was in Jesus that provided that before you ever knew Him. And so as the church, how dare we even get to a place that, oh, you can't sit here, you can't come here, you can't show up, you got to do this, you got to do that. You know, our, we need, our homes need to be open to those who are broken, those who are lost, those who need Jesus. Amen. That's why we exist. Amen. Amen. I'm not going off anymore. Let's close with this. Amen. So we want to be that grace-filled community. Because one of the things that we understand, when you come into the fold, when you come into Jesus, you realize that there's already this group of people that are just filled with grace. Amen. I'm so glad that there's people in my life and your life that you found that people that were willing to give you a second chance and listen to you and, and let you fall and make mistakes and, and to still, come on, you were still His disciple. 
Peter cursed Jesus three times. Amen. He was still a disciple. He messed up. He, come on, he fell in the water. Come on. Come on. How about the people that didn't even, they ran from the garden. They didn't even show up. They didn't even show at the cross. They were, they were ashamed. They were afraid. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? And let's stand on our feet as I close in this last point. I don't even know. But I'm living under the influence of grace. And so we talk about grace-fueled. How many want to be grace-fueled? Amen. How many want to be grace-filled? And then I believe that this is important. We want grace forward. Grace forward. The Bible talks about that, you know, the grace of God. And it doesn't just say that the grace comes to you. You see, grace was never intended to make you look good. The grace of God was never intended to make you look so good and so, come on, it was never to make you about you. In fact, it's wrong if the grace of God is about you. Grace is wrong if grace is about you. How many know it's not about you? So we want to live a life that's grace forward. As the Bible says that we ought to love each other the way Jesus loved us, that's grace forward. The Bible talks about that we need to feed the poor and we need to and we need to clothe those that don't have clothes and take care and give shelter and we need to do all these things. That's grace forward. The one of the beautiful things about uh, telling people about Jesus that one of the things we can say is, you know, humanitarian acts and kindness and feeding the poor, that started with Jesus. That started with the Christian faith. We're the ones that that originated with well, I believe I need to be a good person. You know, that originated with Jesus. Amen? But without Jesus, we can't do any good. Amen? Come on, somebody. Amen? But we need grace forward. See, grace is wrong when grace is about just us. That's why Paul said we need to walk in grace. Grow in grace. He didn't say relax and sleep in grace. He said, he said that, you know, we walk in love, we rest in love, but we, we walk and grow in grace. See, because it's with, the, with exercising and, and with one another, that's where grace develops in your life. That's where grace grows in our lives. That's why Paul said to the church many, many times, grow in grace. Grow in these things. It, uh, abound in love towards one another because you'll really begin to understand the grace of God when you show grace to other people. Amen? Come on, somebody. And so yesterday was just part really yesterday at our harvest festival I believe that it's just a, a, just a start of our church really going in a direction of just absolutely sharing the gospel in a real raw way genuine way amen and we're going to be a church that's not just grace fueled and grace filled but we're going to be a church that's grace forward it's not good enough for me to sit here and just and just oh worship the Lord come to church do my thing man there there's a mission there's a reason that God has shown the grace of, to me. Come on. And as the Bible says in Timothy, according to Timothy's book, there it says that it's because of the purpose and grace that you've been saved. The purpose and grace that we've been saved. And so it's grace forward. And so I just want to encourage you today, as, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1, be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. Be grace-fueled. Be grace-filled. Be 
grace forward. Let grace be forward. Let it be the thing that really as is not just empowers you, but it it moves you forward. Amen. And it something that comes out of your life. It's just something that see when you're under the influence, everybody knows it. Come on, how many know when your car's all over the road, somebody knows something's wrong. <laughs> when you can't talk right and your speech is slurred, somebody knows there's something there. Come on. You're under an influence. Come on, somebody. Stay with me here. Be functional. When you're, when you're under the influence, you can't walk the same way. You're kind of led by whatever, and it's kind of off. But how many know we need to be led by the Spirit and just say, well, I'm doing this and doing this and doing this today. How many know we need to say, Lord, whatever you want me to go, wherever you want, well, direct me today. Lord, I want to be led by the Spirit because I'm under the influence of grace today. I'm under the influence, Lord, of your power and your grace. You're empowering me, Lord, and enabling me to do and to live this godly life the way that you want me to live. Lord, we just thank you today that your grace is amazing. I don't ever want to take it for granted. The Bible talks about taking the grace of God in vain, and I don't ever want to get there, Lord. I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't ever want to ignore it. I want to be influenced by the grace of God today in my life, Lord. I want to be grace-fueled and grace-filled and grace-forward in my life, Lord, because, Lord, that's really how I learn about you. That's how I learn to be a disciple of Jesus and to love other people the way that you loved me. Lord, I pray that you continue to show me, Lord, and reveal to me, Lord, just how much, Lord, you have done so that I can do for other people, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would change us by your grace. It's not about the rules of a church or the teachings of this or that or a book. Lord, it is by the grace of God that teaches us. Teach us, Lord, to deny ungodliness and all worldly lusts, Lord. Teach us to live soberly in this present age. Teach us to preach the gospel, Lord, the way that you preached it, Lord. Teach us to, Lord, move in the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, the way that you did. Teach us to live in persecution and hardship the way you did by your grace. And we thank you, Lord, that today, whoever's under the sound of my voice, if they're not born again, but Lord, the message is, it's by grace through faith that we're saved, not of our works. It's because of you, Lord, what you did at Calvary. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.